0: with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I am your adorable host, Jonathan Strickland, and sitting in the office with me, uh, my good friend, my co-worker, Mr. Ben Bowen, joins us again. Welcome, Ben.
1: Hey, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Listeners, I hope you are well. I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay. So... Have you ever seen an advertisement and thought, yes, absolutely, this is for me?
0: Rarely, but it has been known to happen. I can tell you right now. I can tell you two right off the top of my head. And it's largely because of the tone of the advertising campaign. Hmm. Old Spice Deodorant. (laughs) Right, right. Dollar Shave Club. Okay. What about Dollar Shave,
1: Shave Club got
0: you? The, the commercials for Dollar Shave Club are kind of in that same tongue in cheek, snarky sort of approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little, not, not so in your face as to be truly obnoxious, but, um, just barely straddling that line between being charming and being arrogant. Mm-hmm. And, and I find it entertaining. And I thought, well, I, I shave quite a bit actually because, because <laughs> I got the head. That I have to shave right? because um, nature has deprived me of some of my hair, but not all of it. So I have to get rid of the rest. And um, I-, I decided to try it out because I thought the ads were really entertaining. The idea of the subscription model was much more attractive to me than having to go to the store and ask mm-hmm. to unlock the vault of razors. Overpriced razors. Yeah. And uh, it turned out that I loved the product. So Um, the ad did exactly what it was supposed to do. It got my attention. It made me remember the brand and it, it ultimately got me to act, which are, that's exactly what ads are supposed to do. Let me tell you what ads are not supposed to do.
1: What are ads not supposed to do?
0: They're not supposed to irritate the audience to the point where they no longer ever want to buy anything ever again. And then Mm. they rage quit the internet. Um, (laughs) So today we're going to talk about ads and ad blockers, and to kind of go into the discussion that's been kind of going around recently about ad blockers, including some of the stuff that's going on in Europe, uh, some of the stuff that you might have heard about as far as ads and their relationship to malware. Mm. Um, what exactly is going on, and where do we stand on this? And Ben, you know, you you do a lot of stuff here at How Stuff Works, but I specifically asked you in your capacity as one of the hosts of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Because as the host of that show, you've covered the topics surrounding privacy pretty extensively, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. privacy is one of the, the factors that comes into play when you're talking about advertising, particularly today when targeted advertising has become such a huge uh, part of Strategies. Uh Now, to start this off, before we jump into all of that, I thought I would give kind of a really high-level explanation of what is going on behind the scenes uh technically with ads on web pages and th- thus how ad blockers are able to work at all. You might think, well, how can an ad blocker recognize and block mm-hmm. an ad but not the content I'm trying to see? So, Ben – Jonathan. You work, you work on the web. Yes. You, you, you've visited a website or two. You probably know that you do so through something called a browser. Ah, yes. 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 Uh, for, uh, you know, something
1: like, uh, Chrome, Firefox. Edge. Edge. Yeah. And if you are using Internet Explorer, I hope it is only because Some outside authority is making you do so.
0: Right. Like there's an intranet that you can only access with Internet Explorer. Do you remember those days?
1: Oh, I remember.
0: Yeah. There was, there, that was the only reason I had Internet Explorer installed Mm. on my old computer was so that I could access our, our company's former intranet.
1: Which is ridiculous, but here we are nonetheless. On a browser,
0: Yeah. So you, when you are visiting a website using your browser, you type in the URL, typey typey mm-hmm, typey, mm-hmm. and you put it in the address bar and you hit that enter button. What is happening is your browser is sending out a request over the internet, and it's essentially saying, "Hey, the jerk on the other end of this keyboard mm-hmm. wants to see, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, what's a good website? Let's say Wired.com. That's a great example because Wired's going to come up in in other parts of this discussion. Sure, yeah." And Wired, by the way, I love Wired. They uh, do great work. They do great work. And I've got a lot of friends who have worked for Wired either in the past or currently. Mm-hmm. Love their stuff. So you're going to wired.com. What happens is the, uh, this request goes out over the internet hmm. and it's routed through a series of connections until it gets to the server where Wired uh, dot com lives,
1: which is like the vault of their information.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a it's an actual physical computer mm-hmm. that has the instance of that website stored on it, and then when the request comes in, it serves, thus living up to its name, uh-huh. the information to you, and it goes back across the the internet. Not necessarily in the same pathway that your request came through. Mm-hmm. That gets into a discussion of packets that really is immaterial for this. I think it's
1: a different show.
0: Yeah. I've talked about packets in previous episodes. So if you really want to know what packet switching is and how all that works, go check out the archives of tech stuff. And it's out there. But the information comes to you and your browser puts it together and displays it for you. And it does so based upon the rules set up by the webmaster, mm-hmm. Right. So whoever put it together, uh, There, there are there's language tags that that explain how it's supposed to look when it's displayed on your browser. Mm-hmm. And that's how it works. And so you think, OK, so, so it's really just a request and then a response. But then you have ads. Now, with ads, the content for the ads comes from a different place than the content for the web page itself. So those ads that are on wired.com, they're actually coming from different servers. They're not coming from Wired's server and the web page just has a space dedicated or some form of uh a relationship there mm-hmm. that's dedicated to the ad that says this is where the ad will go when it's served to the 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 viewer
1: and that depends on the arrangement between the advertiser and the content creator
0: yeah so you could probably i mean we could really dive down into this and say all these different types of ads have different uh rates like mm-hmm. Uh, a banner ad at this point is almost considered to be worthless.
1: And a banner ad is a term describing those long horizontal ads you will see that take up uh, an entire row, I guess,
0: of a website. Right. Yeah. And you could say like a rail would be uh, the vertical version of that, mm-hmm. either on the left or right.
1: And then there are other things like there are pop-ups. Pop-unders. Yeah, Pop-unders.
0: tons of different types. And they all have different rates depending mm-hmm. upon... Uh, the, lots of factors. How popular is the website? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how effective are those ads considered to be? Like the least effective are the ones that are going to be the least expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in some cases you will find web pages that have completely abandoned some of the cheaper ones because they don't really work anyway right. and you might as well try and command a higher price. So, those, impressions, those, those, that data is actually coming from other servers and uh, they're the advertisers servers or the more likely advertising agencies servers mm-hmm. where that data lives. So as the page is loading up, the sections for the ads, that gets another request saying, Hey, send me the, the information that's supposed to go here. It's coming from this other server. That gets sent to your computer and is inserted into the appropriate section by your browser when it's constructing the whole thing. Uh, well, The way ad blockers work is essentially it has a filter list saying anything coming from these pati- particular mm-hmm. servers, don't let it show up. Mm-hmm. Just don't even let it through the door.
1: Like madads.com, yeah, which I, yeah. I I just made up right. for the sake of argument.
0: Right. So, so anything that would come from that server would automatically get blocked and not be incorporated mm-hmm. into the, the web page as you're displaying it. So that's the general way that most ad blockers work. There's another way too. Their ad blockers can also look for certain tags that are associated with advertising. Like there's mm-hmm. actually a tag for ad, uh, that kind of stuff and just block anything that, that shows up under that tag. But generally speaking, they, the idea is just a kind of a bouncer that says anyone from this neighborhood is not allowed into the club. And, um, <laughs> Now, so checking your checking all the the IDs and saying, uh-huh. "I'm sorry, you're from a part of the the neighborhood where we don't let you in. It's so
1: discriminatory
0: that's the way that's that's how an ad blocker has to work, right? It has to discriminate mm-hmm. otherwise you don't get you either get everything or you get nothing. <laughs> so it has oh, to discriminate
1: and we should do a disclaimer,
0: yeah, which is
1: what? Oh, okay, I'll do it. yeah, uh, so we are fully aware, ladies and gentlemen, that we do work. For an internet company, how yes. stuff works is our parent company for our range of podcasts and it is ad supported and it is ad supported and quite a few things online are ad supported. Yes. However, I will confess to my hypocrisy because I am an enormous fan of certain ad blockers. Yeah. And I completely understand why. Another person would use an ad blocker, especially given, as you mentioned, the privacy concerns that we'll get to.
0: Yeah. So there's a whole lot of, of stuff going on for reasons why people would consider using an ad blocker. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Ben, not to leave you hanging out there, I use ad blockers too. Uh, sometimes I, sometimes I will set uh, exemptions mm-hmm. for websites that I, I think are handling advertising in a responsible way, in a non-invasive, non, uh, potentially harmful kind of way. Sure. So you can, you can, with most ad blockers, set filters and say, anything on this page, go ahead and show me the ad. It's mm-hmm. fine. You I'm, can whitelist stuff. Exactly. So wired.com, there's an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on my whitelist. Uh, a couple of others too. There's some that want to be on my whitelist that I have not put on there. Cough, Forbes, cough. Um. <laughs> But we'll get into that too. So there are a lot of different reasons and some of them you could argue are more valid than others for people mm-hmm. to want to use ad blockers. So I'm going to run through a few of those. And also I could say that there, there's other things you can do like through your browser itself that, mm-hmm. that don't necessarily block ads, but block elements of ads that you might find particularly irritating. Like things an like, autoplay. Yeah, like you can disable video or audio or Flash animation or you can not even have Flash installed. <laughs> that also helps. Yeah, um, but that's tough. That's I don't know tough. how
1: practical that is.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of content out there that is dependent upon Flash and without it – without Flash, it makes it harder. Now, there, some things have definitely helped by moving to HTML5. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh at any rate, let's talk about some of the reasons folks block ads uh, – some of them like we said are just obnoxious. They're mm-hmm. intrusive. Mm-hmm. They ruin the experience you're trying to have. Mm-hmm. If you are trying to read an article and as you scroll down a window slides into view covering up the text you're trying to read and is auto-playing some commercial that has no bearing on your life whatsoever, that's a bad experience, mm-hmm. right? Like if if I were going on uh a page about a technical gadget and I'm reading and as I scroll down an ad for diapers comes on. I'm going to be irritated. I don't have a baby. Mm -hmm. I don't need diapers myself yet. You're not reading about something
1: related to diapers.
0: No, I'm not reading about the latest in diaper tracking software. You know, (laughs) getting that uh, notification on your app that it's time to change the diaper. Uh I'm not reading any of that. That would be a very bad experience. I think it's
1: called Poop Watch.
0: It could be. I poop. (laughs) I mean, I do. That's. I don't want to get into it. Uh, that's I a different show. that's yeah, a that's, different show. That's uh, probably one that we will not pitch. I definitely will
1: not guest host on that show. Yeah.
0: Uh, so that's one reason. Just, right. just because it's an it can be an unpleasant experience depending upon the way the ad is presented. It's disruptive. It is. It is disruptive. Another is that it slows down loading time, right? Mm-hmm. Because there is this additional. Uh, uh, communication that has to happen to pull that information in while the page is loading. And we all know that we have very little patience to wait around when loading a website. If you've ever had one of those days that here at work – where occasionally our network gets a little sludgy. Oh, pandemonium. Oh yeah, you're like, you're like typing in, even if you're just typing in something like, I just need to Google something. And you're typing in your Google search and you hit enter and it's not that .3 second response. Mm-hmm. And it takes like a couple seconds. You go nuts. You're like, what is happening? Pandemonium. Yeah.
1: We're one slow internet connection from a series, away from a series of knife fights.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> uh, we have the knives here in the office, ready <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I personally plan on hiding because there's some crazy people in this. Oh office. yeah, yeah.
1: Scott Benjamin's got some moves. He's
0: got a reach too, man. <laughs> he's got he's got that arm span. So ads also can right. can take up a lot of bandwidth, right? That's another huge problem because a lot of ISPs are using bandwidth caps, especially in the mobile world. So. Uh, both in mobile and my home ISP technically have a data cap. Now I have paid extra to get out of the cap on both sides, but that's because I make enough money where I can pay a little extra to do that. That should not be something. I don't think that should be encouraged. I think that mm-hmm. the, the, the there's no real good reason for data caps, particularly for home networks. Um, but if you have ads activated that's more data that's coming mm-hmm. through. That means that not only do you not want to see these things.
1: But it's taking away your opportunity to see other stuff. Exactly. Also, not- also are, have you done a data caps episode, Jonathan?
0: I haven't because I probably would be frothing at the mouth at the end of it. I'm
1: so angry about that. The emperor has no clothes.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's just say that, uh, 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 I think some companies can be a little bombastic. Mm hmm rhymes a lot with a certain (laughs) isp that i'm not happy about right Um, right
1: but as you're saying that's that's an excellent point because you know let's say you see this ad for diapers mm -hmm. and it's a video Mm -hmm. right it's an autoplay video while you're reading about your latest uh gadget that you're doing research on right and then mm, the chances of this happening are very small but what if it's the proverbial feather on your internet's Camel back. You know what I mean? Like, right. right. If that's the thing that happens.
0: And then the camel just collapses.
1: And you get the pop-up warning. Well, then that's You have th- exceeded your data cap plan.
0: And if, if it's a video-based advertisement, that kind of stuff, I mean, that takes up more data. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, you think about how much browsing you do, uh, in, in a typical month. If you are already bumping up against that data cap toward the end of the month, like in that last week, mm-hmm. ads could be accumulatively across the the rest of the month be enough to make that happen in the middle of the month. A problem magnified or exacerbated
1: for mobile users.
0: Exactly. So that's a reason some people use ad blockers. They say, listen, I have a limited amount of data I am allowed to access and I'm bumping up against it and I don't have other options. I mean, Mm -hmm. other, other than just stopping. But that's... Crazy talk (laughs) is what that is. And also, finally, two other things. One is that targeted advertising, some people find it very Mm off-putting, right? The idea that – let's say that it's it's not an ad for diapers that's completely irrelevant to my life. Let's say it's an ad that's very relevant. Maybe it's, I don't know, head wax so that I can get my head up to a nice glossy finish.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or maybe it's Hamilton. Maybe oh, we, there we have know. a conversation about Hamilton. It could be
0: that, yeah, Hamilton is coming to Atlanta. The musical Hamilton's mm-hmm. coming to Atlanta. Buy your tickets. That's an ad that would be precisely targeted to me, and I, right. I would freak out. I'd say, yes, 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 and that would be an ad that would work on me because I would <laughs> love to see that show. You, yeah. um, uh, if you have Hamilton tickets, I will happily take them. All right, so... <laughs> Uh, that's a great example. But there are other targeted ads that can be a little scary, right? Especially for people who are trying to research something that's really sensitive. Uh, the example that we have given many times on this show is the one about Target, where uh, a young woman had been browsing. Target ended up sending information to the young lady uh, about coupons related to being pregnant. Her father uh intercepted essentially the coupons and got very mad at target saying, how dare you insinuate that my daughter is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then later contacted target again and said, I would like to apologize to you. I had a conversation with my daughter and it turns out that I I didn't know about it, but it turns out my daughter is pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was one of those instances where, you know, your, your online activity might indicate something you're not comfortable sharing with the world at large. And even right. if your personal identity is not part of that, it, that almost doesn't matter, right? Mm. Like your name is the least important thing about your personal data. What so, right. it is you want and need, that's way more important to advertisers.
1: Right. And your, uh, your habits, your yeah. frequency of wanting, needing and acquiring those things. And sometimes that's helpful.
0: Like, if you go onto a shopping site like Amazon, mm-hmm. and you, it starts giving you suggestions based upon things you bought in the past, and you might see something and say, like, oh, you know what? I do need that. Or I didn't even know that existed, and now I want it.
1: Right. Like, based on your preferences for uh, the following science fiction stories, mm-hmm. we think
0: these are novels that you will find of interest. Right. Hamilton in Space. That would be right, be right <laughs> up there. Um But but there are other cases where targeted advertising, you might feel that that's too much of a threat to your privacy. And I, I mean, I can't I can't fault anyone for feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And you might say, look, I don't I don't allow cookies. I don't allow any of that stuff to kind of trace my 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 online behaviors because I want it to be just me, whatever I need to research or access. That's it. And that would be a reason to install an ad blocker so that mm-hmm. you don't have that following you around. And then finally, ads can sometimes be a vector for malware. And we'll talk about that specifically in just a little bit. So that's to me like those are the reasons a lot of people give for why they install mm-hmm. ad blockers. And I think, you know, again, to varying degrees, they're valid. Uh, and there's some interesting arguments about why ad blockers shouldn't be condemned or outlawed, uh, why they they serve a purpose and content providers should not make a big deal out of this. Now, the reason we bring this up is that more and more content providers are using means to detect when an ad blocker is in place.
1: Right. And you'll get a notification uh, that says, we see that you're using an ad blocking service. Right. right. And this, this notification from the website has has a range of responses, so you may see something that says, "We see you're using an app blocker. We get it. Ads are annoying, but this is our business, and right? This is how we make money." To the furthest extreme, which uh which I think we already alluded to, Forbes, yeah, where the website is crippled or restricted, right? Unless you turn off an app blocker,
0: and, and I get it. Again, we work for a company that makes money through advertising. And I, I get the need to say, look, I gotta protect my business. Mm-hmm. I can't just let people quote unquote steal stuff.
1: Right, right? Right, right? I
0: can't let people walk in, take things, and there's no means for me to generate revenue because then I can't pay the people who work for me. Mm-hmm. If I can't pay the people who work for me, I go out of business. And then you don't have the content in the first place. That is a valid argument, right? That is valid to say, look, I have to be able to generate revenue in order to do the thing you want. You came to me, Buster. (laughs) You put in my address in your little URL bar or you did a search and followed a link. Right. So I have something you want, but you want it for free and I can't perpetually give it away for free because then I can't pay the rent. Mm-hmm. I can't buy food. Mm-hmm. I, I it, We have to have this exchange for this to work. I get that. But some people say, listen, condemning the ad blockers is the wrong way to go. And here is the reasoning. It sounds a lot like the same reasons people say piracy doesn't ultimately matter that much online. What,
1: and, what, yeah, okay, I'm scooting to the edge of my seat.
0: Yeah, so here's the argument. The argument is that the people who install ad blockers mm-hmm. – are the people who would otherwise be ignoring your ads anyway. Oh, a self-selecting sample. Yeah, yeah. They they would be they would be the ones that ads would not be effective on them. They don't want the ads. They they don't see the ads. They're blocking the ads mainly because they just don't even want the distraction there. So these are these are lost revenue. They're never going, their impressions don't matter. They are never going to buy those diapers. Yes. And so the argument is that if you factor in their impressions, if you were to say, okay, no ad blockers, mm-hmm. then the people who figure out the rates for advertising, the ones who say, here's how much it's worth to display an ad on your site. If they say, well, you don't allow ad blockers and you've got X per, you know, X number of visitors per month, we estimate that a certain percentage of those let's say 30% would normally use ad blockers if you allowed it. That 30% is worthless to us. So it dilutes the value of advertising on your web page because you're forcing them to look at something that doesn't work for them, which means it's it's a lost cause. You can't count those numbers and say that's a success. You can't say these this 30% of people who saw your ad Means that it it's worth X amount because they're worthless.
1: And so, uh, to, to see the analog and the piracy argument there, I assume it would be the same thing that uh, such that a person who pirates, torrents, downloads, illegally streams some sort of video. Let, let's go with Game of Thrones. Sure. Okay. So someone who is stealing Game of Thrones, which I believe still holds the record for the most torrented uh, I'm
0: pretty sure that every time that a new season debuts, it breaks the record.
1: Yeah. Uh, so people around the world are stealing the holy heck out of this thing. Yeah. But would they have, uh, would, would they have paid for an HBO subscription? Uh, would they have?
0: Or HBO Now. Or, right, right. Right. Would they have gone through a regular channel anyway? And the answer is it's impossible to say, mm-hmm. but it it appears that there are lots of people out there who will pirate something uh and and the really easy examples are the ones that that like movies that a lot of people aren't feeling very strongly about beforehand right. like like there was the Wolverine film, Wolverine the Origins mm-hmm. film, and it was getting panned by critics and it got pirated like crazy, and then you had the studios say, "Hey, you've stolen revenue from us." And the pirates said, we weren't going to pay to see your movie at all. So really the option was we steal your movie and watch it, which granted for you stinks yeah. or we don't see the movie at all. But either way, you don't get any money. <laughs>
1: like, right, right. So,
0: so, uh, that's, that's a, I mean, it's a weird argument to make saying like, well, you're not losing revenue hmm. because you wouldn't have made it anyway. You would not have made those sales. So saying that the piracy cost you sales is disingenuous, but saying that people are accessing your content without paying for it fairly, that's a, that's totally legitimate. That's a completely yeah, legitimate absolutely. argument. So it's a little bit of a, a perspective issue, mm-hmm. right? It depends on what you're arguing for. Mm-hmm. If you're saying you're costing me because otherwise you would have bought this thing, that may not hold true. But if you're saying you're stealing something I made and really you should pay for it, that's That's a different argument. Mm -hmm. So those are, that's kind of laying the, the groundwork for the rest of our conversation here. Let's start with, um, uh, well, let's start with some, just some thoughts. Like when, when I talk about that targeted advertising, we mentioned the example. Um, have you ever really looked into that at all for stuff they don't want you to know or anything related to that? Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, the example of you're, you're talking about the kid, right? Yeah. Predicting the birth. Uh, yes, we have looked at this. In a couple of different ways. And one of the, one of the ways that we looked into it most often would be the concerns of big, big data, big data, Mm -hmm. the, the information that people just emanate or create through their passage online. Picture Mm -hmm. your average day on the internet, like one of those old family circus comic strips with the map and the yep. little dotted line. Yeah, yeah. And those accumulated... When, when
0: Billy goes running around the neighborhood.
1: Exactly. God, Billy walking a straight line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Come on, kid. Right. But uh, but uh th- this is a good comparison because those breadcrumbs, those accumulated dashes of our uh circuitous lines in our day-to-day traffic, mm-hmm. establish a precedent, establish a pattern, and most people most internet users are astonished when they see how uh, accurate or how sophisticated the profile painted of them can become you know you may say i have a collection of different passwords right you may say uh you know you and i earlier did uh an episode on whether it's possible to be anonymous on the internet yeah and it is possible But it is
0: such a pain in the keister. Right. And 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 the more activity you do, the less possible it becomes. Exactly. Because while, again, like when I said your name is the least important piece Mm -hmm. of information about you, it really is. People don't need to know your name to know who you are based upon the things that are important to them.
1: Which is why it is, again, I love that you use the word disingenuous, which is it's disingenuous as well to say this data is uh is anonymous. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, because uh, all sorts of little data points point to who you are as a person, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't give you a first and last name.
1: Right. It's like saying these fingerprints are anonymous. Yeah. They're still somebody's fingerprints.
0: Exactly. And, and the stuff we leave behind, it's kind of like a digital fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some of that information might be stuff that a lot of people know about us, like the Hamilton thing. Ben clearly knows about it. Of course, we talked about it before a video <laughs> shoot earlier Yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but that's something that, you know, people know, who know me, they know that I'm a big fan of musicals.
1: But then there may be other stuff that you don't want people to know. Let's say there's a, let's say you have, you or someone close to you has a medical condition. Right. Right. And you don't want people to, you know, you don't want people to know, for instance, that let's just say you're... Partner or your spouse is being tested for some sort of cancer,
0: right? That that's none of anyone else's business, but right. m- me and my spouse, right? That's a that's an example that is perfectly cromulent in this case, <laughs> right?
1: And I know it's an extreme one,
0: but right? Right, but it's it's anything like that, right? Anything right. where it's like it's not that. I'm ashamed of something that I've done something wrong. Far from it. It's just right. that it's a piece of information I don't want to share with the rest of the mm-hmm. world. Our activities online can inadvertently, in some cases, give that information to third parties, which may use it in order to try and profit from it. Not necessarily maliciously either. Sure. It's, that's where the targeted advertising comes in and you get this targeted ad that is Uh, Again, not malicious. It's necessarily we'll talk about malicious ads in a minute. Right. Um. Not malicious in intent, but it could have a negative impact on your experience of being online because then you think, I thought I was being careful. I thought Mm -hmm. no one knew. But now someone knows.
1: Now I logged into Facebook after I was logged out of Facebook, by the way, those are some pernicious cookies. Oh, yeah. Uh, After I was logged out of Facebook ostensibly. And checked on, uh, learned about the specific type of cancer my spouse might have. Came back, I, logged in,
0: and now I see an ad for a cancer clinic.
1: Mm-hmm, in coping my, with cancer. And, That's and like intrusive. That is offensive.
0: Yeah, it's it is to a point where like that is not the direction that I think a lot of people were thinking about when Mm -hmm. they started thinking about the potential or targeted ads. Right.
1: Absolutely not. The
0: ideal situation is that the ads you see are the ones that are relevant to you and your situation and ones that would be effective in getting you to purchase a product or service. Mm -hmm. And because that's ultimately what ads are for. Ads are there to inform you and convince you you need this thing or service or whatever it may be. And and if it's done well, then Mm -hmm. everyone's happy Mm -hmm. because we all get access to the stuff we want. We see things that we want to purchase. Uh, the advertisers succeed in what they're doing. Their clients succeed. Everyone is happy. The problem is that that's a very narrow band of the overall experience that people have had with targeted advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, has led to this realm of this, this, this culture where ad blockers are seen as being a, uh, a ter- perfectly legitimate response to that. And it's funny because, uh, you know, we've both talked about how we admitted to uh using ad blockers. Mm-hmm. I was amazed at how many articles I came across where they're written on websites that have advertising right. by employees of that website. And the employees are saying, yeah, I use ad blockers too, right? <laughs> like to the point where you're sitting there thinking like, wow, <laughs> This is pretty heavy stuff when you're seeing it from other journalists and in fact there was an editor um uh, Duncan Riley a publisher in fact mm. Duncan Riley who wrote uh in siliconangle.com a piece uh that came out today in fact uh April 29th is when we're recording this 2016 and the t- the title of the piece is confession of a longtime publisher i now use an ad blocker and i like it and the piece kind of lays out the same sort of things we've been talking about already, and, and mentions that there's already a problem here. Uh, the big problem is that advertising has become so obnoxious that it has it is it is counterproductive. It is doing mm-hmm. the opposite of what it is intended to do. It is driving people away, not bringing people in.
1: Right, and and to the point where uh, people are looking at advertisement, not as a vast series of varying cases, but as one monolithic thing.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, it And really, it doesn't take that many really bad experiences to paint with a broad right with broad strokes. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you you get something like a a truly awful experience. That's enough to convince people to say, well, even for the ads that are not that bad, I'd rather go ahead and use an ad blocker to avoid the ones that are that bad, even if I only encounter those rarely. And part of the
1: problem there is a, a question of evolution and learning curve, because a lot of targeted advertising functions in an automated fashion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no there's no person there to uh, apply human compassion and judgment. There's no one there's no one saying, "Oh, Jonathan Strickland, eh? I feel like it's time for some diapers." Right. Right. Yeah, there's no diapers button behind the scenes. <laughs> I wish there were. It would be hilarious to see like there's just some some mischievous impish person sitting behind the scenes with a massive panel of buttons and and
1: different buttons for different things. One's
0: like, uh, one's like, cheaper razor blades right well jonathan you you've been shifting in your seat here's an adverse stool softener i think what the heck is going on if we're working him up to an eye poop <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh we'll be pitching that later so uh one of the other things that duncan riley pointed out in this piece that i thought was interesting he said that the other big push in online advertising right now apart from video ads which i mean that because of mobile the mobile experience video ads has become a big thing right
1: the you other can big, skip this ad in five yeah Four.
0: exactly right? the big the big one is um native advertising which uh to you guys out there may not mean very much to mm-hmm. people in our position it means our worst nightmare
1: so what is native advertising for people who are not because that's a a little bit of an inside baseball term
0: native advertising is when you get paid by a company to produce a specific piece of content typically one that supports that company's products
1: also known as advertorial
0: yes and a lot of like if you do it really really well Mm -hmm. which is very hard to do But if you do it really, really well, it can still be informative, it can still be entertaining, and it can still do the purpose of advertising whatever the product or service is without it feeling absolutely creepy on the part of the person who had to write it. But it is really hard to do that.
1: Yeah, it can feel creepy for the people creating this because native advertising can put someone in an ethical dilemma. Yes. Wherein, for instance, let's say Jonathan and I have a, have a show wherein we are going to do a tech stuff about, uh, the, the technology behind strip mining. You All know right. what I mean? Yeah. And while we're exploring that, naturally you and I would say, well, here
0: are some things you need to know about strip mining. Here's like the environmental impact of strip mining. Right. Here's the historical significance, the political battles that have happened over strip mining. Exactly. Here's how it has affected people who live in areas where strip mining happened. But if it were a, a piece of native advertising where a mining company had mm-hmm. paid for it and they said, all right, you can do pieces on it. Just don't mention any of those things.
1: Right, right. And don't call it strip mining. We have a new term. We call it... um Mineral hugs. Yeah.
0: Then, then that would be problematic. And as, as, uh, as Riley points out, he says that, um, that it, it, you eventually end up with advertising pretending to be editorial. He says, and that not only sucks, if not labeled properly, it's downright dishonest and constitutes deceiving your readers. And we know you guys are smart, right? Mm. Like the people who are in the writer and editorial departments, we know you're smart. We know that you can tell when something is some is like that,
1: oh buddy, yeah, the uh anyone on the internet uh, although you'll hear all these stereotypes of people being credulous in general, yeah, more so than a radio or a television audience, people who listen to podcasts, people who go online for their news or entertainment are very, very aware of this, they can sense they can like they're
0: like matt murdoch well for one thing one thing we've been sold to all our lives Mm -hmm. we in america we have grown up in a culture of advertising and selling Mm -hmm. and after a while you get good at recognizing it right Mm -hmm. so that's uh that that's an argument that often comes up when it when it gets down to sales versus editorial which not doesn't happen that frequently but it has happened then the editorial will say listen this is a road we don't want to go down because right. it is a bad experience for our audience. Mm-hmm. They recognize what it is right away. It is very hard to do well. And it doesn't work for the advertiser. Right. It doesn't do anyone any favors. Right. It tells the audience, we don't, uh, we don't, th- we don't value your intelligence. We don't think mm-hmm. that you're smart enough to realize that this is essentially an advertisement you're reading. Um, and the audience ends up saying, well, if you don't value me, I don't value you, let alone the products you're trying to sell. So I'm out. And we know this. And um, and so native advertising is one of those things that, again, if you do it very transparently Mm -hmm. and if you are very careful, I
1: think you can do it well. If you have a separation of, uh, I guess, a separation of church and state in a way. Yeah, that's a phrase that we've used before, wherein. So let's say just just for an example, let's say uh ladies and gentlemen that Jonathan does a show uh for just your average everyday podcast, right? It's tech stuff. Mm-hmm. Does the tech stuff episode is approached in the uh by someone who wants him to do some native advertising for uh let's say a cell phone. Sure. Right? Yeah. Right? Those are popular. And uh then Jonathan with the editorial oversight would say, well if we do this I want it to be clear. This is brought to you by, right. you know, whomever.
0: Right. And just say, like, so people who listen to it from the very beginning, they know what they're getting into mm-hmm. and that they trust me to give them information that is uh that is honest. It may be right. that due to that agreement, there are certain things I'm not allowed to talk about for whatever reason, but as long as I'm completely honest up front and just say, you know, this is, uh, this, this episode's brought to you by so-and-so. We're gonna mm-hmm. talk about their product today. Here's what I have to say about it. Um, that's, that's okay. It's even better if they give you full editorial control where you sure. can, like, you, you can say, like, can I say things that may be a little critical of the product as mm-hmm. long as I'm being fair? Like, I'm not attacking, right. but I'm, I, I'm bringing up concerns people have had because if I don't do it, my listeners will.
1: Being objective. Uh, being at the forefront of this, what, what I love about the, the line of argument we're looking at here is that, uh, the editor, uh, the publisher in question is absolutely correct. It's a new, it, it, it's a, a more evolved form of targeted advertising because then the target becomes not just, uh, someone who looked at someone who Googled something three times in the past week it becomes any audience member that trusts you yes and that
0: and then all of a sudden there there's this prepackaged demographic assuming that you have any you know perceived integrity and reputation then then absolutely
1: no your reputation precedes you
0: yeah my I, i'd like to think that people <laughs> believe i have integrity if if you do not think i have integrity
1: Please feel free feel to, free send to an email. feel free to send
0: an email to stuff you should know.
1: <laughs> with this, with this targeting stuff, as you said, it is difficult to do. It can be done. It can be done well. For example, The Daily Show under Jon Stewart's uh, regime. Yeah. <laughs> under John Stewart's run on the show, uh, they had Arby's as a sponsor. Right. And what, what was hilarious about it is every time they brought up Arby's. They talked massive amounts of trash right. about Arby's.
0: Yeah, know? but but to the point where Arby's got the joke. Yeah, and they incorporated the joke themselves on 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 his last episode. <laughs> there was like a statement from Arby saying, "We'll miss you, John." <laughs> and I just thought, like, well, that's amazing. Like, how many companies do you know that are that savvy? That yeah, that would say, like, look. This is this th- they're having fun. Mm-hmm. They're not really trying to damage our brand. Mm-hmm. That's not what it's really about. Let's just have fun too. I mean, that's a hard decision to make because you could, if you feel your brand is under attack, right? Then, you know, you want to go on the offense as soon as possible.
1: Right. So that's the reason why a certain bombastic cable yes. provider hasn't just gone the whole 9 yards yet and used the Monopoly man and Darth Vader as their sponsors right or as their uh, mascots
0: yeah yeah Ben as it turned out you and I talked a lot more what about ads than we anticipated I thought this was going to be like a 40 minute conversation it turned out to be about an hour and 20 minutes and that's pretty long for an episode of tech stuff <laughs> Right, right. So so in order to uh, preserve the sanity of my listeners, uh, I thought we might cut it off here, uh, post the recording and pick up where we left off next week. So let people know where they can find your work.
1: Ah yes. While you're waiting for the next episode of our series on targeted advertising here at Tech Stuff, why not visit Stuff They Don't Want You to Know Where? And you can find Tech Stuff host Jonathan Strickland exploring the darker side of technology in our show, which covers conspiracy theories, corruption allegations of the paranormal, and more, 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 more. Nice. More. Is that cool? I do my own post. Yeah,
0: that's no, it's good. You know, that way we uh, re- decrease the load on the publication side. And uh, guys, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, why don't you write them to me? Because shouting them out the window hasn't been helping. The email address is techstuff at healthstuffworks.com. And remember, you can also get in touch with me on social networking. You can use uh, Twitter or Facebook. And both of those, use the handle techstuffhsw to get your message to me. Uh, as in, use that one to direct your message at. Don't actually use Tech stuff HSW. That's mine. Keep your filthy mitts off of it. So until next time, <laughs> I hope you guys have a great one, and I will talk to you again about ads really soon. For more on
1: this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.